I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The NFL draft is just days away, ladies and gentlemen. Steelers rumors are floating. We're going to be talking some sleepers. And it is all gears NFL draft. Welcome into the Steelers fix. My name is Andrew Wilbar, NFL draft analyst at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Jeremy Betts, my co-host, is out this week. Uh, being prepared for him and his daughter. His daughter had a little medical operation done. Uh, so uh, we're thinking and praying about uh, you and your family, Jeremy. Uh, this week, we're going to be joined instead by BTSC's own Bradley Locker. He's going to be joining the show today. Has a lot of insight to Northwestern prospects, Northwestern football, one of which we're going to be talking today in our sleepers, uh, Bradley. I know I got to talk with you some at the Combine, but let's bring you in. Uh, first and foremost, uh, how's it going? How is your draft prep going? I know you're busy at this time of year. We're both in the same boat. College, it, it's a crazy life at this stage, but how, how are you managing your time being able to get everything done? Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me, Andrew, and obviously wishing the best to Jeremy and and his daughter. Sounds like everything is going well, but awesome to be here with you. And yeah, the draft is one of my favorite parts of the year, really consumes most of my time from probably February onwards. So as, as we talked about before, trying to balance schoolwork and clubs and leadership with grinding tape. Uh, so I feel like I'm in a better spot than I was last year, and the goal is always to watch as many prospects as possible. But I I want to I want to be prepared for whatever the Steelers might do as as best I can. So I feel like I'm inching slowly toward that goal. I feel like at this point, if anyone had an indication of what the Steelers might do at 17, I would pay them a big sum of money because you know we were both at the combine. We heard the rumors. You know Joey Porter Jr., Jordan Addison, the two guys with connections inside 
you know, this base, if it's not one of those guys, if it's not one of the top three corners or tackles, maybe it's Deontay Banks with that Maryland connection. Those were the rumors coming out of the combine. This past week has been a crazy week of Steelers rumors, which we're going to get into a couple in just a second. But first, let me tell each and every one of you to go and follow us at the Steel Curtain Network. This is what is bringing you this podcast today, the Steel Curtain Network, the all-new Steel Curtain Network. Follow us at Steel C Network on Twitter. And Steel Curtain Network is from the all-new Fans First Sports Network. We are glad to be a part of it. We are excited about this. Follow Fans First at Fans First SN on Twitter. Be sure to go and check out all the great content. It's not just football. It's many different sports, many different teams. There's something for each and every fan out there. Be sure to go and check out the Fans First Sports Network. Excuse me. A little bit of a tongue twister there. Got a lot to get into today, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But let's get into this. Nine days away from the draft. As of this airing, those of you that are listening to this on Tuesday at noon or shortly thereafter, Regardless of when you're listening to it, the draft is approaching. And Bradley, every year we see different trends that happen in the first round. This year, it seems like on a national scale, outside of the quarterbacks, everything's been kind of mum. You know, there have been rumors about the Titans potentially moving up. There have been rumors about the Colts potentially moving up. Are we going to see a bunch of trades? Nobody seems to know. It's a weaker draft class overall, but there's still some talented prospects at the top worth moving up for. What do you expect on draft night? Is there a specific theme in the first round or maybe a certain trend, something that you expect to happen on draft night that not everyone may be talking about or, you know, everyone may be talking about, but you have a separate opinion on? Yeah, I think my opinion is probably a little closer to the latter, which is all the attention has been on the quarterbacks and for good reason. I mean, it's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. They've been the best two quarterbacks in college football effectively for the last two seasons. And I think we will see them go one and two But you talked about the Cardinals at pick three. It's definitely an organization that really is just in total disaster right now, especially in light of the news that came out this weekend that Buda Baker, one of the best safeties in the NFL, wants a trade. And if you're the Cardinals, I think it just got to be full rebuild mode at this point. Might not have Kyler Murray for the first part of the season. So I think it makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals to just accumulate as many assets as they can with a new general manager, new head coach. But I think we're going to see, Andrew, I'm going to say it. I think we're going to see four quarterbacks go in the first four picks of this year's draft. I think it's likely Young, Stroud, and then it could be Richardson, could be Levis at three and four. But I think they will go in one of those two spots. In terms of the teams that to watch the trade off, we talked about the Raiders at seven. They probably want to move up and try to get in front of the Colts at four. But also don't discount the notion of the Colts trying to trade up to three. We saw the Bears do it in 2017 with Mitch Trubisky. It obviously did not work out, but they only moved up one spot because they were that concerned that they were not going to be able to get Trubisky. And I think the Colts could be in a similar boat where they understand all the attention is on that third pick. Why not just land it yourself? You might not have to give up a ton to move up only one spot, maybe a third round pick, for example. But the Cardinals would probably still want to take that. Again, you get a quality player at three. Um, The Titans at 11, I just don't know how much urgency there is there to actually upgrade a quarterback because they have Malik Willis still. They did not really use Malik Willis to the best of his capabilities. I know we were both big Malik Willis fans coming out of last year, Um, but with a new general manager there in Tennessee and Ron Carthen, I wouldn't be surprised to see them be aggressive. Um, But at the same time, I think it's a little premature for the Titans to worry about quarterback. And then the teams below Tennessee, Maybe Tampa Bay trades up at 19, but it seems like they're rolling with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, which will be an entertaining battle. But I think those are a few names to watch. But I'm just overall, I think I'm expecting four quarterbacks to go in the first picks. 
That'd be interesting. I agree with you with the Colts. If they have an opportunity to move up and they have a clear preference as to which quarterback they want between Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, you got to go up and get your guy. You don't want to be stuck with the guy that you really don't like and you end up taking him just due to need. I mean, maybe they go for a Hendon Hooker later. And, you know, there's a lot of hype surrounding him right now. Do you think he or any other quarterbacks go in the first round outside of the top four? I do think Hendon Hooker goes in the first round. There's just been way too much smoke about the teams that have, have loved him and been interested in him. Um, could even see him going to the Ravens at 22 of that if the Lamar Jackson situation does not work out. Although after the Odell Beckham signing, it seems like things are moving in a better direction for Baltimore. But even at the bottom of this first round, maybe you can see a team like New Orleans has been a popular fit because yes, Derek Carr did sign a big deal in New Orleans, but he was quite mediocre last year. And it seems like he is only regressing in terms of play. But also, again, a team could trade up into the first round. And we saw the Packers do that with Jordan Love a few years ago. Um, maybe a team like the Rams, even at 36, where Matthew Stafford has had a, a season-ending injury last year. Not sure how many years he's going to have left. So those are just some organizations to watch. Um, but I do think Hendon Hooker does go in the first round. I think teams understand how well he was playing. He was a Heisman favorite until he tore his ACL. He is quite old, but he has a lot of experience in the college ranks. He's mobile. He's a shrewd quarterback. He led a very dynamic offense at Tennessee, even though it's very bizarre offense to watch on tape when the receivers are playing as far off the line of scrimmage horizontally as they did. Very, very spaced out. Um, but I, I think Hi or Hooker has a lot of really good traits that teams are going to want. And I think some team will end up talking that itself into drafting Hooker in the first round. I find it interesting with the amount of teams that have paid attention to him in the later rounds. It's not just the teams you would obviously think of. The Minnesota Vikings have been doing their homework on Hendon Hooker. The New Orleans Saints, like you mentioned, I mean, they can get out of that Derek Carr deal within two years if they really want to. You know, it, it's there's nothing set long term. And even if Hendon Hooker's on the bench for, say, two years with uh, with New Orleans, you're, you're still getting him at, what, age 27? I think it was Ian Rappaport was talking about this with Daniel Jeremiah the other day. Uh, you know, you're still getting him for, for you know, potentially – eight, nine, 10 years, still a decent career. If he is polished enough after those two years to be able to produce, he's fully healthy. All of that is taken care of. You're still getting a guy for nine to 10 years, which isn't obviously, you know, the same 15 to 20 year time span that we've gotten used to with a lot of these quarterbacks, but still gives you a big window to win. Half of those years are going to be extremely cheap. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But Bradley, let's get into some of these draft sleepers. That's the topic of today's show. It's one of my favorite shows that we do the entire year. There's so much attention given to the early round guys, especially the quarterbacks. But once you get into the later portions of day two, and then once you get into day three, it gets to the nitty gritty. But I'm telling you what, you can find some really, really good players on day three. You can find some, You there's going to be starters that are going to come out of this, but also just finding guys that are going to be key role players and key systems. Absolutely love these later round guys. Let's start off at quarterback. I'll start with two guys I really like. Aiden O'Connell, guy who has a bunch of poise in the pocket, very patient within the pocket, very accurate. Had a big interception numbers, but it was because he had so many pass attempts. I feel like in a balanced offense in the NFL, I think he can be a solid contributor, a guy who could develop down the line into maybe a bridge starter, maybe a low and mediocre quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to reach elite status, but I believe he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL if all goes well. And then Lindsey Scott, if you want a dual threat guy, this guy has 60 touchdown passes, uh, very athletic as a runner, an exciting guy, not a guy who's ready to start, not a guy who's probably even ready to be a QB2. He's going to be a practice squad guy at the start, but a guy who you just want to bring in as that wild card, who has a bunch of potential, who if he can just put it all together, 
you know, who's going to stop this guy? This guy has all the talent in the world. Absolutely love a guy like Lindsey Scott and, you know, seventh round if he's still there, which there's a good possibility from incarnate word, shorter guy, but really like him. You've got a couple names that a lot of people that pay attention to college football should be well familiar with, especially if you paid any attention to the national championship game. Who you got? Exactly. Well, my first is Stetson Bennett out of Georgia. And I think when people hear Stetson Bennett, they might immediately kind of recoil because he is a little bit of a character in the college football landscape and a lot of attention at the combine because of his legal situation. And there were some rumors swirling that Bennett might not even be drafted because of those legal troubles at a public intoxication charge um, right after Georgia won the national championship. But point blank, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the college ranks in the last two seasons, leading Georgia to an undefeated season last year, back-to-back national championships. So we know he has that championship pedigree. And looking at that Georgia roster, it's easy to see why the Bulldogs won two straight. I mean, just stacked on every side of the ball and every facet, especially on defense. When you look at the way that Todd Monken schemed up that offense, a lot of it was predicated on relying on Bennett to make the right read, using his athleticism, using his mobility in the read option and play action game. And I think that's something that's going to really intrigue NFL teams. He tested well at the combine with a 4-6-7-40, 10-yard split. But on top of that, I think what really impressed me the most was that his deep ball, Andrew, was the best of any quarterback that I think went the entire day. And that included Will Levis. That included C.J. Stroud. He threw three gorgeous deep balls in a row. That got the crowd roaring. So I think Stetson Bennett might get drafted a little higher than people anticipate. I think some general manager, again, will will argue, or somebody in a war room is going to argue, this guy won two straight national championships. He won two straight national championship MVPs. One of the best quarterbacks in Georgia history. He is 25. But again, I, I think he has a lot of high upside. Maybe could follow a Brock Purdy track in that sense where nobody expects him to start at all. This is a guy I think will end up starting his rookie year in the NFL just because he kind of has that aura about him. And that's 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 a bad. My other guy who you alluded to is Max Doggin out of TCU. He was known for being just this extremely gritty football player. It feels like every single game I watched him, he was literally sapped on the field. He could barely even stand by the time the game was done. But that tells you what type of competitor he is. And again, teams are going to like that a lot. He willed that TCU team to the national championship and really put it on his back. It was a quite a good roster for sure, but not nearly on the level that Georgia was and Bennett or make that Duggan actually ran quite well at the combine as well. Four, five, two, 40 yard dash one, five, five, 10 yard split. So he showed his explosiveness. No doubt. I will say his throwing performance was quite lackluster. Same thing with at the senior bowl, but this is a guy who could maybe fit into that Taysom role type where it's a hybrid quarterback slash tight end option, where if you need someone to go in and run a power option for you, he could do that or, Again, if you want an, a more explosive option at quarterback, Duggan could be the guy. Again, I think he has considerable work to do as a passer. Um, I would not expect him to make contributions in that regard, but there is a decent chance if some team does want him and he's still available in the seventh round and you're thinking, maybe even the Steelers are thinking, well, we don't have a third quarterback. Why not take a flyer on Max Duggan? Let's move to running back. It's an extremely deep class. I know a lot of people are familiar with Deuce Vaughn, which is one of the guys that you have as a sleeper. I want you to talk a little bit about Evan Hall, your Northwestern guy. He's a guy who's really intriguing when you dig into his tape. A guy who wasn't uh, didn't have the greatest yards per carry average this past year, but there were a lot of issues with that offense as well. When you go back and watch him, he's a complete back. Tell us a little bit about your own Evan Hall. Certainly. Well, yeah, I could talk for a while about Evan Hole, but I think the nation is definitely starting to take notice a little bit. He had a wonderful senior bowl, um, had a very long run in that senior bowl, and he followed it up with another standout performance at the Combine. 
He showcased his finishing ability, which he he did every single rep. He ran all the way to the end zone. And at the very least, that's going to garner some attention. But he had a 4-4-7-40, 37-inch vertical jump, um, 10-3 broad jump. And again, with Hole, I think it's all about the versatility. He looks so crisp running those routes. That's what he did in Northwestern so well. He basically was the only reliable, consistent off option on Northwestern's offense the last two seasons. One of the best all-purpose running backs in the college ranks. And he, you talked about Andrew. He wasn't the most efficient. Now, a lot of that could be attributed to Northwestern's offensive line, which, yes, the Wildcats had Peter Skaronsky, but behind Skaronsky, it was kind of patchwork slash very inconsistent. So I think with Hole, it's about... How much is he going to create kind of out of structure when the lane is not clearly there? And I do think he can work a little bit on getting stronger. He did look a little stronger at the combine. It seemed like he put on some weight. But I think it's going to be about that broken tackle ability once someone has their hands on him. But he's so shifty, so elusive. He does have that home run hitting ability. Um, so I, I think Cole is a guy that is going to make an NFL room happy. I think he could very well make a roster as a rookie, even if he doesn't get drafted. Although I do expect him to get drafted. A couple guys I really like is uh, Lou Nichols from Central Michigan, a guy who's a true ground it and pound it runner, but he's much more than that. He can pass block. Um, he can anchor a basket, which is incredible for a running back, even one of his size. He's not the biggest guy at five foot ten, but 222 pounds. He's well built, has a low center of gravity. He's got good patience to the hole. He can accelerate upfield pretty quickly. One concern I have is that he doesn't uh, adjust to speed all throughout the field. He pretty much has a one level of speed and he sticks with that speed. But overall, I think if he were to run the 40, it would be faster than what people expected. I would have expected something in the low four fives. Roughly, I did a write-up for him on SBNation.com. Be sure to go and check that out. It'll be coming up probably at some point this week. Um, but Roshan Johnson is the other guy to keep an eye on from Texas. The backup to Bijan a guy who's another really well-built runner. I expect him to run a lot faster 40. He looked faster on tape than what I had, than his four, five, eight that he ran, but still uh, he's in complete back, but is a, especially as an early down runner, a guy who can really grind it out in between the tackles, expect him to make an impact his rookie season, wherever he is at wide receiver, a class that it isn't quite up to snuff of the past few, but there's still some late round guys. You've got one guy who I'm extremely high on as well from the big 10, as well as one of the best names at wide receiver in the draft. How about telling us uh, real briefly, the, the two guys that you have as your sleepers at receiver. Well, first off, I have Charlie Jones out of Purdue. He was a second team all American last year playing with the aforementioned O'Connell and out of the slot, he was one of the more dynamic receivers in the country. Production was off the charts, but on top of that, Andrew, I really think he had a solid combine. He didn't measure in at, a great height or weight, just five foot 11 and a quarter and 175 pounds. That's in the fourth percentile among receivers. But he did have a 151 10 yard split that was in the 80th percentile. His 44340 was blazing in the 76th percentile. He also had a good vertical jump and a broad jump. Both of those were at least in the 64th percentile. So, again, the Steelers are a team that's looking for a reliable slot option. Jones is going to probably turn some heads based on the production he had, it was really unguardable for much of his last year in West Lafayette. Absolutely. Charlie Jones is a guy that I think a lot of people are sleeping on, but a guy who may go higher than what people think. I have a late third round grade on him. And just seeing the amount of teams that could use help inside the slot, I think he's going to go higher than what people expect. But if you can get him, the even in the early portions of day three, I think that's great value for a team. Uh, two guys I really like. Um, 
or Shedrick Jackson from Auburn, a guy who is an extremely, extremely fast wide receiver, wasn't used the greatest at Auburn. And I have not finished digging into his tape, but I am writing sign up for him for the BTSC big board. So tonight we're recording this Sunday afternoon. So Sunday night, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be watching tape on Shedrick Jackson, uh, a guy who does blazing speed. If you need a burner, he could be that guy. Matt Landers, another guy, but my big guy, Bryce Ford Wheaton, we mentioned him on multiple shows here. If you guys listen to the Steelers fix every week, you are familiar with this name already. I'm not going to go through the numbers again, but all of his numbers are better than Martavis Bryant. That just shows what type of athlete he is. A lot of his drops can be attributed to poor quarterback play. Not all of them. He does need to improve the hands. Has a few body catches every now and then, but I do like the fact that he does go up and down for catches rather than going backward like Chase Claypool did and making himself smaller. Uh, so that was kind of a pet peeve I've been looking at with some of these bigger receivers, but would love to get a big guy like Bryce Ford Wheaton on the Steelers. It tight end. Talk about those big receivers. Oh, yeah, really quick. Yeah, Andrew, no, talking no, about those big receivers. One guy I also wanted to mention, you alluded to him, was Jake Bobo out of UCLA. Yeah. He was a big time playmaker for the Bruins. He stands at six foot four. So if I can get an official height on him. But again, he's a really physical option out of the slot. He is a great blocker as well at a. See if I can get the grade here. I think it was a 65 blocking grade from PFF. So at least above average. But he is on the older side, 24.6. But if you can get a guy who's. 6-4-206 out of the slot. That's going to present a lot of mismatches for those smaller slot and nickel corners. Absolutely. A tight end. This is an intriguing class because there's a lot of depth, but it's hard to tell which guys are actually going to fall to day three, right? It's it's so hard to find a guy that you know is going to go on day three. I struggled with this one. Uh, tell us about uh, one of my Michigan guys and another guy who's been rising on boards for a couple months, but still not everyone is familiar with. Yeah, well, first up, I have Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan. I don't think he's been getting as much attention as I thought he would coming out of the entire draft process and the combine, but he is a really good blocker. It felt like when I was watching him against Iowa, he did a nice job um, against those Hawkeye defenders and really physical presence. I think his receiving game could probably be improved a little bit just as an asset in that way, but we know the Steelers have a Michigan tight end and Zach Gentry. The Pittsburgh can definitely improve in its run blocking on offense from the tight end position. Gentry was kind of woeful in that last year. So a schoolmaker would be definitely a team or a player that could intrigue a team like the Steelers. And then you mentioned him as well. Zach Koontz out of Old Dominion had a 10 RAS, which is the perfect score you can get. He measured in at six foot seven, 255, ran a four, five, five, 40 at six foot seven at a two, six, one, 20 yard split. He also had a 40 inch vertical over a 10 foot broad jump, just a, a true freak at that tight end position. I think there was a picture of him standing next to Darnell Washington of Georgia. And that's a guy that people recognize as one of the most massive humans to ever grace a football field. Well, Zach Koontz is pretty similar in measurements, not going to go nearly as high as Washington will, just given that he did not have the profile of college career. But again, another player that will probably make some tight end coaches pretty content, especially if you can swoop him up in the fourth or fifth route. 100%. Davis Allen is a guy I like from Clemson, guy who uh, Dabo Sweeney was saying, he may be the best tight end that he's ever worked with. And it hasn't been exactly tight end you at Clemson, but uh, Dwayne Allen, and I think some of the other guys that have gone through there, there have been some solid tight ends that have gone to the NFL. He says Davis Allen's the best one he's had. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he does in the NFL. Outside of his speed, 
He's a relatively athletic guy. If you look at the rest of his numbers, pretty impressive. Kyle Patterson from Air Force is another guy to keep an eye on in the later rounds. I really want him to test at the combine because he's a big-bodied tight end uh, guy that I really like if he falls to the sixth or seventh round. Uh, but Brenton Strange is the guy who's been rising. I think he goes day two now. I don't think there's any way he falls to day three. If you w- we would have done the show a month ago, I would have had him in this. Uh, but I do believe he is a secure day two pick at this point. Uh, a guy who's been rising because he can do it all. He's got enough speed. He's got good hands. He can do a little bit of everything as well as block. But we're going to go through these offensive line really quick, Bradley. We're going to run a little bit over on this front half. Let's go to uh, one of your guys, uh, Blake Freeland at tackle, a guy who yeah, is an extreme you. athlete. And you have another guy from a smaller school, Nick Saldaveri, who's a good athlete in his own right, but two totally different profiles. Tell us a little bit about each. Sure thing. So Freeland had a 9.82 RES that he posted and again, really popped off at the combine at a 37 inch vertical jump, 10 foot broad jump. Also looked really smooth in those drills, whether it's pass protection or run blocking. And I think it's a guy who could end up going higher than he anticipated because of how well he did in Indianapolis. So Freeland definitely turned some heads based on that performance. And the other guy I have is Nick Saldaveri from Old Dominion. I know this is someone that Daniel Jeremiah is very high on. He played right tackle in college, also some right guard. He played left tackle as a freshman, too. But a four-year starter at Old Dominion had a, an 80.5 PFF grade in 2021, 72.2 last year, but an 85 mark in pass blocking. And again, I think he's pretty versatile. I believe I had him dropping to the Steelers in the fourth or fifth round. But again, a high upside tackle, a slash versatile offensive lineman that could probably find his way as a backup or even a starting piece in the middle rounds. 100%. I really like Saldaveri. He's a guy who could maybe even move inside in the NFL. Uh, Jake Witt is one guy who improved through a pro day. 489 in the 40 for a guy at six foot seven, 302 pounds, 37 inch vertical. The only one to match Blake Freeland's number in that regard. Uh, 462 in the shuttle, 7443 cone, extreme athlete at offensive tackle. Uh, he's helped himself a lot, probably an early day three pick at this point. One center I love those, Jake Andrews, just watching him on tape. This guy's a fighter. Love him. Just put him in the trenches. He was a guy that was embraces being a trench in the trench player. He loves the game of football. He fights. He grinds. Absolutely love his toughness. I think he's going to carve out a starting center gig in the NFL. Maybe not immediately, but as time goes on, really like him. Joey Fisher from Shepard, another guy who's been gaining some hype as a late-round pick. Has some ties to the Steelers. We'll see what happens with Fisher in the later rounds of McClendon Curtis. Uh, I was talking to someone at the combine who would talk to Ramon Foster and said that he loves McClendon Curtis. And when I went to watch McClendon Curtis, you can see some similarities in style of play to Ramon Foster. He's a little bit more athletic than Ramon Foster, which is not hard to do, but really like McClendon Curtis from Chattanooga. Of course we saw a Chattanooga offensive lineman go in the first round last year. Be interesting to see how high Curtis goes this year. Well, there's a lot of names for you people that wraps up the offensive side of the ball, but don't go anywhere. Cause when we get back, we still have the whole defense side of the football to talk about. You won't want to go anywhere. The Steelers fix. will be right back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. Andrew Wilbar and guest Bradley Locker with you today bradley let's get to the defensive side of the ball with some of these sleepers who you got a defensive line i'll move right into byron young from alabama there are actually two byron youngs in this draft so it's very easy to get confused between them but number 47 on the crimson tide was a standout player last year had 24 stops according to pff which was the third most in the sec behind javon dexter senior and jacqueline roy those are also two guys who are sleepers in their own right but byron young definitely stands out he's got a lot of force violence in those hands when you watch him and and that Bama defense which had a a good year overall and that's because of the anchoring that Young did up the middle 100% two guys that I really like Kobe Turner from Wake Forest you want to talk about a guy who had an impressive impressive pro day he ran a let's see it was a 708 three cone drill at 288 pounds defensive tackle 31 bench traps as well. So he's got the functional strength. 449 in the uh shuttle. Um, I'm trying to see if I can get that 40 times somewhere. I believe it was a good bit faster than Aaron Donald's, even. But while we go on to that, I'll look up that in a minute. But Broderick Martin is the other guy from Western Kentucky. A decent athlete, not great. 536 speed in the 40. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be running 40 yards down the field. At least we hope not most of the time. But a two, a true two-gap defender who's got great awareness, has a, does a good job of splitting the A-gap, getting upfield, has a pretty productive year this past year as a pass rusher. A guy who's going to be a late-round pick. Really like him if the Steelers miss out on Mozzie Smith. Wouldn't mind him in the later rounds if the Steelers are able to get an extra or one or two day three picks. But let's move to edge rusher, Bradley. Who do you have at edge? First up for me is Zach Harrison from Ohio State. This guy was just a monster, had 60 pressures in the last two seasons. And last year, let's see if I can get the stat. He ranked 12th in the Big Ten in pressures with 33. But I think there are certain games when you turn on the tape and you realize this guy can just flat out take over that Maryland game. First of all, a classic between Ohio State and Maryland. But Zach Harrison put his marks all over that contest, basically sealed out the win for the Buckeyes. And I mean, he had a great duel with Peter Skaronsky as well from Northwestern, one of the better edge rushers, not only in the Big Ten, but around the country. Feels like he's probably not going to go until the second, third or fourth round, but some team will be very happy to get him. In those rounds, then another guy for me is Andre Carter out of Army. He is a gaudy six foot five. And he also, I mean, his 40 yard dash is not great at four, eight, four, but he had a 38 and a half vertical jump, a 132 inch broad jump, 424, 20 yard shuttle. He was getting a little bit of first round buzz in closer to February or March. So started to slide a little bit, but maybe your second, third round guy who some teams will certainly covet. Yeah. So apparently Kobe Turner did not run that 40. Uh, but his three cone is 709 three cone is faster than Aaron Donald. And he is 10 pounds heavier than Aaron Donald at 293 pounds. That's what he measured it at, which is 
incredible. Six foot two and a half, 293 pounds, 76 inch wingspan. Curious to see what ends up happening with his draft stock, but day three pick for sure. But all those guys you just mentioned, a lot of intrigue, different profiles, each and every one of them, very different from each other. Uh, I like Derek Parrish. Uh, there's a couple other guys I'll mention um, on the editorial side behind the steel curtain.com in my sleepers article, but Derek Parrish is one guy that I have my eye on from Houston. He has shorter arms, which is the big concern. He doesn't have ideal length, but as four, five, six speed ran a six, seven, six in the three cone, 37 inch vertical. He had in one game this year, I can't remember the opponent, but it was week two had four and a half sacks, six and a half tackles for loss only played in what two games uh, or he, I believe he started two games. I think he had four overall, but uh, was injured the remainder of the season, but it looked like he was on the verge of a breakout season. The guy, dude, the injury is going to slip, but I really like his upside as a pass rusher. It, inside linebacker, I'll give you a few names real quick. Andrew Van Summeren from Michigan State ran a 4-4-5 in the 40 at 232 pounds, six foot three. He has the frame to add more weight. I think he needs to do so. The same can be said for Momo Diabate, ran a 4-5-2 in the 40. He's got good speed, good athleticism, just doesn't have enough size on him. He's around 225 pounds, which is a little bit too slight for my liking. Uh, but Trevor uh, Nowoski, that's a name we haven't mentioned. If we get time at the end of the show, I'll re-mention him. But Servasi Dennis, a guy a lot of you Pitt fans are familiar with. Guy's got solid speed. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he has phenomenal instincts, phenomenal awareness, and he's a good wrap-up tackler in the middle of the field despite his lack of elite size. Uh, but he's a guy that I really like if you get the later day three, and he's still there. He's a, he was a leader on that Pitt defense. Who do you got? Yeah, before I jump into my linebackers, I want to say, issue a bit of a correction on Andre Carter. I was actually looking at the original Andre Carter in 2001, the second Andre Carter. He did not test great, although he is 6'6", 256, his arm length at 33 and 3 eighths, kind of middle of the pack, so was his RAS. But I still think, again, some teams will take a flyer on him. But one guy I just had the chance to watch was Henry Toe Toe of Alabama. He was one of the hotter names at the combine in terms of media attention and kind of explicitly mentioned his connection to the Steelers, looking up to Tor Polamalu as a fellow Polynesian defender. But he was rather pedestrian in terms of performance, a 6.75 RAS, slightly above average, at a 4.6240, which put him at an 8.41 RAS. But his composite speed grade is great. But I think the issue, Andrew, with him is the size. He's only 6'1", 227. Neither of those is very impressive. And as a result, I think he can get lost a little bit in the shuffle when he goes to make tackles. Um, he also kind of struggled with eye discipline, it seemed like, especially against Texas with those pony sets with that Roshan Johnson and B. John Robinson looks. He would kind of struggle to determine who where the ball actually was. Uh, again, that reaction speed, a little bit slow sometimes. But I really like his coverage skills. I think he's got smooth hips. He can change direction well. He played that cover seven system at Alabama, which is not an easy system for a player to play in where you have to read, react, follow the route patterns. And I also think he does play faster than his four, six, two, forty. Um, so I think he has a high ceiling, especially in coverage. But I have a round four grade on him. But I think some team will be will be content to get him. I know you're not as high on him as I am, but I can see why with that size and uh, especially some some bad tackle attempts as well. But I think all in all, the coverage skill is, is harder to teach for a linebacker. And he has that. Absolutely. A guy who has a lot of experience at the collegiate level. Um, Nowaski, the I was looking up his numbers at six foot three, two thirty-seven, ran a four-five flat in the 40 at his pro day from Saginaw Valley State. Not a guy that you, most people are gonna be familiar with. But again, once you get to the later rounds, my philosophy is if this guy has shown production, if the production can be evident on tape, like this isn't just you know gimme stuff. And this guy's got athleticism that can be coaching, he has, you know, half decent 
ability on the mental side. Take a chance on him in the later rounds. Once you get to that point and all the top prospects are gone, take some take a chance on guys who have some upside that you know you can coach. But a guy that I really like, uh, inside linebacker at corner, extremely deep class. Bradley, we could talk about these guys forever. I'll let you start. Uh, you got a couple Big Ten guys. Yes, I'll start with Riley Moss out of Iowa. Had a phenomenal combine, ran a 4-4-5-40, 39-inch vertical jump, 10-foot-7-inch broad jump, and he's a big hitter at corner. Had another good performance at the Senior Bowl, probably around three to four pick in light of how deep this corner class is, but he has that Big Ten caliber play going against some of the top receivers in the country game in and game out. Another guy from that conference is Cam Mitchell out of Northwestern. Very interesting player to me. He was pretty up and down throughout his career in Evanston, but he really closed his career strong, locking down Marvin Harrison Jr. and Charlie Jones, who we talked about earlier, had a 4-4-7 at the combine, I believe, and he looked really smooth in those movement drills. Probably had one of the better performances out of anybody in his group. Probably a fourth to fifth round pick. I know Dane Brugler of The Athletic is a big fan of his, but I think he, he has a lot of traits. He has some connections at the pro level with his former cornerback coach at Northwestern now at, with the Cardinals. So the Cardinals are a pretty obvious fit there. Yeah, Riley Moss is a guy who's rising up boards. He could be in play for the Steelers at pick 80, I think, if he's still there. Um, guy I really like, really like those guys that you mentioned. Um, at corner, Stephen Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore's younger brother, doesn't have great arm length. But I tell you what, this guy fights on the inside. He's going to be a good slot receiver in the NFL. Corey Trice, I talked to one of his coaches at the Combine, was really impressed with his workout that he had, was very fluid in the drills. When you watch his tape, he's got the length and he's he uses it well. When you watch him, he's did, he blanketed a lot of really good Big Ten receivers. Jarek Bernard Converse, a guy who was at Oklahoma State, Played very well there. Transferred to LSU because that was his dream, to play for LSU. So he used his fifth year of eligibility, went to LSU, played, had a solid season, and balled out at his pro day. Took full advantage of it. He's a guy I think is going to probably, you're talking the fourth, fifth round at this point, uh, despite the depth of this class. I believe he's going to go that high. Anthony Kendall from Baldwin-Wallace, guy who may even go undrafted, but I absolutely love as a slot receiver. 5'10", 180, 4'4", in the 40, 20 bench reps, 39 and a half inch vertical. Mentioned some of these last week on the show, but 701 in the three cone. Absolutely love this guy's athleticism. This guy is a fighter. He does a good job being aggressive without being penalty aggressive and not getting grabby, which is something I appreciate with him. He's got good instincts as well. Really like him as a late round sleeper. Uh, last position, safety. Uh, we'll try to get into more of these guys after the draft, if a team relevant to the Steelers or the Steelers themselves actually draft some of these players. But this is just kind of whet your appetite for guys on day three. We're throwing out names. So as we get ready to close out the show, Bradley, your last guy, somebody give us a safety that we need to keep an eye on. This guy actually has met with the Steelers already. His name is Daniel Scott out of Cal. You talked about athleticism, 993 relative athletic score, a 44540, 152-10-yard split, and a 39 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot eight broad jump. The size is, I think, decent at just six foot, but he is a guy, again, the Steelers are pretty clearly interested in. We talked about that need at safety. I mean, they have Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously, but nobody knows if DeMonte KZ is long-term, Keanu Neal, more of a run stuffer, but Scott could be a late-round play for Pittsburgh if he's still there. I like Daniel Scott. I talked to him at the combine. He said he wanted to prove people he had speed and he proved it with his 40 time. Um, I may have actually been the one to report that he did meet with the Steelers. I'm not positive about that, but I did get to talk to him at the combine. Enjoyed him. Nico Bolden is a guy from, uh, excuse me for just a second. I believe it's Kansas state. I don't have it up in front of me, but Nico Bolden is a guy when 
he he just pops when he comes downhill he comes down with great speed with great pursuit love his game a mere speed he played corner at michigan state i think he may transfer to safety in the nfl ran a 4-3-4 in the 40 not the greatest in man coverage despite it just very inconsistent tape but i tell you what this guy's got all the tools in the world if he can put it together bradley before we close the show we went true rapid fire today we went through a lot I, I had mentioned earlier on Twitter this week that I believe that the Steelers are split between the front office and the coach as to what to do in the first round. We can discuss that another time. You know, it's just based on things I've heard. And I, I believe there's different philosophies, but that can be expected. You have a new front office. There's going to be some stuff going on. What do you think the Steelers do at pick second, at pick 17? I think for me, all offseason, the Steelers moves have reinforced that it's going to be between two positions, cornerback and offensive line. We know they had interest in Orlando Brown Jr., despite adding a, fl- a slew of interior offensive linemen. So I don't think it, they would go interior. I think it would be tackle, probably to push Dan Moore Jr. But I think it's just unlikely the Steelers get one of Peter Skaronsky, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson Jr. And I don't know how much they love Darnell Wright. It feels like he's kind of an outlier compared to that top three. Definitely an option, though, at 17. He's been a popular name. But really, Andrew, I think it is going to be a cornerback. The Steelers signed Patrick Peterson. He was quite good in Minnesota last year, but he only has so many years left pretty soon to retire. I believe he signed a two-year deal with the Steelers. And you look at the rest of that room, losing Cameron Sutton. You still have Levi Wallace, but he's a free agent at the end of this year. It feels like the perfect opportunity to mentor a young corner. The Steelers have just been lackluster at a corner. And you look at that division, Jamar Chase, um, Amari Cooper, all those stars, T. Higgins staying in Cincinnati. Uh, and now Odell Beckham Jr., if you want to compete in the AFC North, you have to have a lockdown corner. The Steelers have been skating by for a long time, relying on their front four to get pressure and kind of not holding up well on the back end. To me, I think it's going to be a, a top corner. I think Gonzalez is going to be off the board. I think Witherspoon's off the board. But the name that just consistently stands out to me is Joey Porter Jr. You get that sense. We got it with Kenny Pickett last year to an extent. We got it with Najee Harris the year before. There's usually a guy who kind of stands out among the rest of the crop as to who the Steelers are favoring. And it seems like it is Porter. We know his bloodlines have black and gold deep within them. But on top of that, he he fits the bill of what you're looking for in a modern NFL corner, the ridiculous length, the instincts, the athleticism, even though he can occasionally get tripped up and maybe struggle on routes moving across the field. But he's so, so, so long that he can just extend those pterodactyl-like arms and he will get a breakup. And again, he's a strong run defender as well. He played on one of the best defenses in the country, played locally at Penn State. The Steelers sent Grady Brown, I believe, um, and Terrell Austin to his pro day up in State College. I just think Joey Porter Jr. is going to be the pick. I just get that sense. If not, I really also like Deontay Banks out of Maryland. I wrote a big film room on him. You can check out Behind the Steel Curtain. But Porter, it seems like he's been the pick for a long time. And if he's there, I'd be pretty hard-pressed to see the Steelers pass on him. Good stuff, Bradley. Appreciate you joining the show today, filling in for Jeremy. It was fun. Enjoy the draft, man. You too. You too. Looking forward to reading all your continued coverage. Let's get to do it all for today, Steelers fans, but don't go anywhere. BTSC is going to have you covered for the next week with draft content from Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman to Steelers Stat Geek on Thursday, the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict. We've got so many shows. We're, I'm not going to get into all of them right now, but be sure to go and check us out next week on Tuesday when Jeremy and I break down our thoughts on what the Steelers are going to do, not only pick 17, but in all the rounds of the NFL draft. Be sure to go and check out all of our content, behind the steel curtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. That's going to do it all for today, Steelers fans. Have a good one.